push it Wynwood. I just want to thank you all for coming and participating in this lovely panel. Um, I want to just have everybody go around and maybe introduce themselves for a minute so we can kind of be a little bit more familiar and then we can start talking to you. My favorite subject. Sounds good? You want to take the lead there, friends? Uh, yes. Uh, hello, my name is Mo. I'm the head brewer at the Tank Brewing Company and I uh, like long walks on the beach. Oh, 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 uh, I'm Hadar, uh, Thirsty Samurai Piggy, uh, certified Cicero and beer blogger, right for the New Times. Love beer, I started brewing recently, so, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. But, huh? <laughs> that's what it seems like, that, that's what everybody gears me towards when, when I talk to everybody. But yeah, just stoked to be here and stoked to talk about beer. My name is Mari. I'm a local blogger. I also run marketing and social media for a lot of craft beer industries in the local neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm Nick Hildenbrand, uh, a big librarian from Miami. I run the Beer Bros and BS podcast down here. We all recorded all breweries. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> He's also the PBNJ 2018 winner. Champion! 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 The fellowship title in a month. You guys should come to that next month. I almost had you. I slowed down. I almost had you. Because why should I have this money if I don't have to? Who are you? I'm the third. I'm the third. Mississippi called uh, Southern Prohibition Brewing. 
Price. Thank you. My name is Will. I'm from a small brewery called Equilibrium. I'm out of New York. Um, yeah, almost. Uh, New York, um, upstate. It's yeah, almost Connecticut. Close. But uh, we're in the Hudson Valley. We're next to the Hudson Valley Brewery. Oh, Hudson Valley. Yeah. A lot of good breweries over there. I'm probably going to start one up there, but um, yeah, craft beer is it for us. New York right now is a whole different plateau, but not craft beer, so as uh, my other brother here will tell you, New York is a whole different... I run brew events, uh, I curate Photoberfest uh, and Scrum, uh, Free to Live, as you see. Uh, a lot of the events are boxed over there. Justin, I am the sponsor of Virginia. I see a lot of those guys down here. I always love to come to Florida in the winter. That's a strong East Coast burger. Thanks for having us. That's a strong East Coast burger. It's so cool here. Yeah, I know. It's like, I'm like, I'll put a sweater on. They won't lose. They'll never know. As I'm sweating, bro. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I'm speaking to you. All right, um, so Chris, pretty much how I'd like to conduct this is an open forum where everyone is kind of, you know, welcome to join in and ask questions and participate in any kind of way they know. Um, I have a couple of subjects. I'm going to start it off and then, you know, I'd like to point to someone and then we can just kind of start talking and taking it away from there. They sound good? Everyone's got a beer, right? We're good. Um, so I just recently uh, read that Ballast Point is going to be at Disneyland. So that's uh, I thought that was really interesting in terms of being. I heard it was Disneyland. Two billion dollars. There's a great sculpting right now. Yeah, yeah. Just slow flow. Yeah, yeah. If I can be one other, I'd be so happy. I just wonder what people's thoughts were about the idea of craft beer becoming this this very very kind of you know. Commoditized thing, you know, especially with Disneyland because they have such a very distinct PR marketing, and that's uh, you know it's going to be obviously in downtown, downtown Disney, um, but thoughts, concerns. Just to be in Disneyland, you need to be a powerhouse. <laughs> it costs you. so much money to be there. But you know, nobody in this yeah. room has a chance of being there. As far as like we having a beer, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, like, no, it's, it's, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. It costs a lot of money. Yeah. And it, they, um, it's great for Constellation, but it doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. It's like, for, you just I mean, said that it's, it's very marketing heavy. Yeah. So they got someone else that's in line with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think it would have been a much cooler idea if they got someone that was small to show local love. So when people go to Disney, if they want to get to know craft local craft beer, then you. The main problem is that they are they charge basically like a rent on their kegerators there. So like if you want to get in there, you have to drop a shit ton of money. You literally have to drop a lot of money, even a chance to get into there, whether you can supply it or not. 
Now, Local Brewery down from here, the Concrete Beach, they do make a special beer for Disney World. It's the Kangaroo Spice Ale that they do make special for that, uh, the Jungle Cruise. How many barrels? Yeah, I don't and when you sign that contract, that contract's going to be, I mean, this many halves yeah. at a certain time, and they tell you they're going to pay you only this much money. Yeah. So, but it's advertising for yourself at the same time. But as a small brewery, you can't afford to give Disney 100 halves, that's $50 a half, because that's what it really is. Yeah. The crazy thing about it, that's what it actually is. And You'll be out of business. You know, even when it's advertising and all that, you're not making any money. You're losing that thousands and thousands of dollars. So it's not really it's good for a big, big box um, Market, you're like, well, I can run an ad, or I can go this much far into, into, into the market, 
it's better than me running an act because you know at least my car is in people's hands, and that's how you want to treat it. Okay, it's treated as a marketing cost. There's no other fucking way to play it. But I get this thing. It's like they're doing this because everyone thinks Constellation, Funky Buddha, so it's local. But Dallas Point isn't brewed in Florida. No. It's brewed in Virginia and California. So you're going to get those beers and then Modelo and other things. Like So you're going to have one line of a local beer and then all three or four other taps from somebody else. So, oh, are you local now? Because you're latching onto the Funky Buddha principle? I mean, that brings me to the thing, is local better, you know? Like, no. I'm not from here, so I can't. <laughs> 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 I'm not local. Oh, so what's crazy is how much the local scene has changed. It's not like, better. Five, either. five years ago in Miami, every bar here just wanted to serve Miami beer. It was all about local Florida beer. But our book and our distro have gotten so good that it doesn't matter anymore. Like, we don't really just... I don't have room for this game game or like all these other breweries at my events because we just have too much stuff from the state right now. It's tough giving those local guys like a place to, to serve their beer. So I only have 20 lines. And I got Finback Equilibrium, you know, Crooked Road, and I got all this shit on there. How am I going to ever put this game day on? How am I going to fit, you know, Tripping Animals? How am I going to fit these other brands? It's, it's getting. To be too much. But how do you develop a community if you don't support your own backyard? It's tough. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, especially in Miami, you're not It's tough because right? here's the thing like, locals cool to a point. I mean, we have too many breweries in Miami right now. Like, there's like at least 10 breweries in Miami right now that make lows, I wouldn't care. And I hate to say that, but it's just like we need breweries that have breweries. And it's like, I want good beer. I don't care if they're local. I don't, as long as it's fresh, it's priced right, and I can drink it. That's what I really care about. It sounds, like you're, all about sounds like you're you're more focused on brands that are harder to get down here because you're not. I'm not focused on brands. I'm focused on brands I can drink. All right, half the market right now. I mean, you just named up four places. We we can't get equilibrium. I hear you, but like you know, like I know. You'll, you'll see it there well, soon. We'll Disneyland is going to take He's wearing Mickey Mouse. What am I supposed to do with Miami Brewing? What am I supposed to do with like all these other brands oh, right now that are just like mm-hmm. mediocre beer at top dollar? Yeah. You should never buy local just because it's local. Yeah. But well, I'm saying that's what's yeah. changed. That was a yeah. movement. Five years ago, we were, we were just buying local. Because fuck it, it's local beers. Like two, yeah, years no, two years ago, it's like, no, I think it's getting to a point too where people are so focused on what's rare and not necessarily what's. And I, I get it. Like, there's a whole segment of the population who wants to drink shit that they can't normally get. Yeah. Everybody yeah, wants to drink something new. Like, but sometimes I have great conversations with people. Sometimes I have great conversations with people. Like, oh yeah, or, you know. Um, you know, I want to carry rare shit, and you know, you're just available here. I'm like, well, I brew beer in Miami, so where the fuck else would it be available? I gotta stay, sell beer to stay open, right? So where the hell you go to Fort Lauderdale, you can't find our beer. We're hard to find, right? So it's like, it, you can't fetishize <laughs> where to find, right? So you can't fetishize that. You got, you got to get to a point. You have to understand too. There's a difference between rarity, which there's a huge value in it. I spent ten years in the hospitality industry. You know. And I, and I ran beer bars in the beer list, but I always set aside a spot for local. Because local is fresh, these, these are people in my backyard I have relationships with. So I think there's, I, I think you have to have a balance, 100%. Well, there's a few places, one place called Maine. If you go to Maine, guess what? Maine, Lake City. 
Maine. Yeah, they have a bunch of Maine beers on the main at the bars there, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of places that it's you get your differences. Well, we all know there's a lot of bad burgers. <laughs> I mean, we can say like there's just a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad places. But I'm also with what Chris said. I'm all about the experience too. So when I say I, su I want to support local, obviously support local is always going to be number one for me because that's the American dream. You know, anybody who's here wants to have their own business and do their own thing. But if the brewery sucks and they're, they're not doing it for the right reasons and just because they want to become rich or whatever and there's no passion, I don't want to support you, you know? They want to just for money and brewing with passion and wanting money, you know? Like, I mean, I do, there's brewers here that... We know a couple of people that are good. That's not working out for them. There's a couple of people that do that. So, you know, honestly, this business, you know, they're just. Don't be drained, they're like. You do what you love in this business. Yeah, you have to. Is your craft beer experience trying to find rare beer, which that could be, I guess, a portion of the experience? Or is your craft beer. It's kind of like wine. You always want something that's rare and nobody else can have. Or is it, but does it make it, is it better because it's rare? It's not better. No, it's not better. I think that a hundred bottle, like, release style is not going to be necessarily better than, like, a full production style. Like, I don't, I think that argument. It's not because it's more rare. I just like better beer and reception. You know, it, but that's what I mean. It's not about the value always. It's about the perception of it. You know, if you've, if you've worked hard and there's nobody else that's drinking it and you finally get a glass and it's, it's fantastic, you know, 100-year barrel age, you know, this. I mean, isn't part of that going to feed into the, the taste, into your own sensory experience with it? But I, I mean, I, I feel like when I'm in a good state, things yeah. taste better, feel yeah. better, yeah. smell better. So if there's a chase to that, especially that kind of appeal, is it better? I mean, I mean, how do you say that? How do you barrel age? I don't want to try This idea of a romantic uh, brewing lifestyle. All these guys quit their job in finance, start a brewery, the market becomes.
was flooded, sticking out in a market like that and surviving in a market like that, uh, just from a business perspective for us, is about cash flow. We'll never be rich either because we're constantly sinking our money back into the equipment to be better overall than everyone else around us. So it's eight to ten years behind over there, but it's happening very fast. And you're seeing the same buyouts that you're seeing over here. Um, you're seeing uh, the same styles trickle across. There's a lot of travel back and forth between the States and, and the UK and their operations that sort of um, speed up all of those advances in brewing. So it's just a, you know, it's, it's a microcosm of what's happening here. It's happening very quickly. And we're also having to, as an industry, try to define what we are and who we are and um, separate out what is just a brewery from what is a, a, a craft experience where, you know, people are, are, are making shit, they're being creative, it's driven by the creative side, it's not driven by the sales side, um, all of that stuff is something that we're definitely still finding our footing as an industry in the UK. I just, I guess, Where were you living before you moved over there? Uh, Tokyo. So oh. I was uh, living and working in Japan. And it's funny about the whole uh, Disney thing. There was a, a, there's always been a brewery out just at the footstep of Tokyo Disney, yeah. uh, Preston Ales. And um, they have this vicarious uh, <laughs> sort of relationship with Disney that their business is driven by the footfall of the park. Um, and it's it's very symbiotic, but I don't think that they have to deal with the cost relationship like you guys are describing, where they're getting you know whatever it is fifty five dollars for a, a, a twenty liter keg or something, and all of their um, customer base is one hundred percent through the front door, as opposed to almost any sales out the back. Which is what every brewery needs to focus on is capital sales. Yes, precisely. That has been our goal for ages. I'm a small distributor and working at a brewery beforehand, but don't talk to me about signing a distribution contract. Open your brewery. Yeah. Sell your beer. Yeah. In-house. That's where you're going to be successful. And you're going to be, if you're successful, then we can work later, and then maybe I can be a little successful off of your success. Oslo is a great example of it's that. Just, it's just like, everybody thinks they have to have a distribution contract, and they don't. Oslo is a great example of that. what, six years? Yeah, well... No, even <laughs> like just sell it in house. Like you want to sell it, you can't get a license. So we we so in year twenty thirteen, we can sell in year. Adrian lives out straight. I know the court heard that pretty well. well. So we yeah. built like a whole like we built a distribution network yeah. uh, to start off with. And two years ago, we we were allowed to start uh, selling straight to consumers. So that that leads me. What you just said leads me to something. It's like you can ship your beer out. I mean, not even shipping it out. Just you want people to come in. Have an experience at the brewery, fall in love with what the brewery is. Yeah, so, my favorite is that people are like, oh, uh, I'm like, oh, so what's your business plan? Oh, well, you know, we sell beer and it sells itself. I'm like, yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> your, 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 your product is the experience you provide people, the brand, your marketing, your relationships with people. Your product is beer, yeah, but everybody else says it. They're going to go, oh, yeah, my beer's better. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, nobody knows that. Yeah. So, <laughs> nobody gets a fuck. Yeah, it's all about relationships, it's all about pushing your brand, and, you know, especially in this room, I, I think you can't survive in this day without having a kick-ass tasting room. So, completely. Well, we were talking earlier before th this whole thing started, and, you know, what you just 
you know, said about selling during your tap room. That brought up a really good point because I was reading a article recently that I, I had talked about, and it was an article about well, it kind of linked into trending beers, and you know, one of my favorite memes is the one that you know, the evolution of man or the evolution of the beer snob, where it started out lagers and went to IPAs and, and, you know, and barley wine and stouts, and then you know, it's kind of leading back to lagers and you know, clean beers and you know, in the day and age that we're living in with all these different styles that are coming out. So we were talking about uh, that some, that these days, like some breweries don't even care about uh, their quality anymore. That they're just trying to push out the trendy beers and just trying to get people into their doors. Now, now, as, as brewery, as, you know, brewers and brewery owners and, you know, uh, you know, the people in the industry that we have here today, where do you think, like, where do you stand on that? Do you stand on the side that Yes, I kind of have to brew those trendy beers to get people into our doors, or do you kind of say, "Fuck it, I'm going to brew what I brew," and if you know it's good enough to stand on its own, own two legs and to get people through our doors? If you like specialization is going to be the answer going forth, you have to brew the beers that you you want to brew. A lot of cats who have a place that's open, that's operating, that's doing. It's doing okay, but they, they want to push it. They think, all right, well, I'll sling out a hazy New England style IPA that's going to solve all my problems because that's what's hot in the streets right now. The fact of the matter is that's like not going to solve all your problems. You then have to sell that. So if you just put that shit on tap, you think that's going to solve your problems, but that's not exactly. Like, you've got to make sure that your marketing is there. You need to make sure that all the other pieces, the experience is there. And you, Exclusivity sells, man. Like, you know, we, we say that you don't want to think that something rare is necessarily, like, like better, but it does increase the overall desire because back to, like, when you look at stuff that's out there right now, people want to try stuff. They want to taste all the flavors of the rainbow. They want to see what's out there. And so they're trading for beers from all over the place because they want to get stuff. So... If you just throw something on, it's not going to solve all your problems. And so, trending beers are great and all that, and it's fun to do that every now and again, but if you make that a significant part of your business model and you don't throw stuff behind it, you're still dead in the water because if a tree falls in the woods, it goes out of here. I think it's about balance. So, you're going to have a good balance of cool beers and beers that are like high rate of sale. So, we make a fiber often like IPA and it's got goods. 40% of what we make. You know, so bread and butter is there. Is that what you want to make? Yeah. Well, it's just we enjoy, we enjoy making it. But then on the side of that, we have we release some kind of specials, all one one batch style, and that's what you can get later. You have to make an idea. You can all agree on that, right? You have to. You can't be like, I'm just going to make lagers, and that's it. You're not going to do that. What about beer stack? What about beer stack? Oh, they don't do a lot of beer. I don't know. 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 I Suarez has the best pilsner on the planet. Yes, 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 yes
to say, all right, yeah, think about it. But yet, that's what they love to do. And they do it. They didn't go in and say, I'm making a dumb life, yay. I'm making this hazy. They didn't do that. You know, did Suarez? There's a lot of movies that don't do that, and they do just fine. That's a bold statement, though. Best clothes in the market. I feel, I feel like you're so subjective. Oh my god. Yeah, 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 let's go. Go. Let's go. Okay, now I'm going to pick the best pillager. So, number one, I've never had them for years. Number two, I'm going to eventually. Number three, I'm going to travel more, baby. Number two, I'm going to Lisa, I'm sure they make fucking fantastic pillagers. I just I just find it so hard to say something's the best and something's so subjective. Like, I mean, something I, is the best. Right? Is it? No, 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 but they're just all. Ray Beer is owned by someone else, isn't it? Isn't yeah. Ray Beer owned by uh, ABM? Yeah. I mean, they're all subjective at the end of the day, right? Yeah, and then Untapped is more like a pop. Yeah, right, dude. And then, like, half the, half the breweries on our list were all, were all bought out. I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Have you guys heard of this? We have. Are they new? Not new. They're opening Charlotte, right? But to your question earlier, you said. You know, maybe people just put out these right beers no, just to no, put no, out right beers, not worried about quality. Man, you and everybody's like brewing IPA now. A lot of people are doing hazy IPAs now, and there's a lot of bad hazy IPAs out there. Um, so yes, right. quality is. It doesn't matter what you're brewing. It's like a try. Whether you're brewing a dad beer, a shelf beer, a hype beer, it none of that matters. Quality is what matters mm -hmm. over everything, yes. and that's what separates. The top from the it's bottom. What you want to see? It's attention to detail. It's like seeing it through the whole nine yards. And the game's so different now that yes, the beer has to be excellent. It's, it's like you said earlier. The marketing has to be on point. The, the everything. Your social media has to be on point. Your label. Everything has to. It's not just like good beer just doesn't sell itself anymore. That is very very much a part of it. But everything around that. Yeah. It's all you hire well. Chiefs actually in California, their stuff. Yes, are, I like um, three Chiefs. Hey, do you like three sons? But in Sarah, Sarah. 
And she's probably like the baddest girl in the game right now. Like yeah. like yeah. From Florida? Yeah. Calusa. Yeah. Calusa. You don't know about Calusa? Yeah, I don't know about Florida. Calusa is not about Florida. You guys have like Calusa and Proof and all these other birds. So, we're so spoiled. We're really yeah, spoiled. We're, we're really spoiled. Part of it's because yeah, John and all these parts, a lot of these. Speaking, yeah. speaking of growth, asking different people and asking different areas. Our events, our our events in Miami have bought in so many temporary contracts and we're used to so many rare beers that we have no business getting that it's kind of fucked up the market. I know, it's like, look at Shakespeare. Speaking of growth, it's his fault. I mean, I know it's, I know it's, a, it's a little on the older side of business, but that whole uh, controversy that happened with Trillium. Oh. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Which one? I really got to leave. No, because uh, I'm, curi I'm, I'm curious to hear what your, your, guys, what your guys take on it. The, the most recent one where they opened the, the new spot and they were rehiring the same people at a lower pay grade and, you know, the whole thing. Well, Again, it was yeah, some weird bullshit going on with that as well. There was like some, some yeah, bad yeah. yeah, they were saying that they were underfilling stuff yeah, and they were putting a lot of you know a lot of shit into the kegs and they were. Uh, what bothers me more, honestly, is their practices with employees. That for that, me, that, that, as someone yeah. that runs a place that has employees and that really values the connection between 
um, an owner, and like you know, and, and management and staff. Like for me, that's just the most important part of what I do. It would bother you a million fucking times more if you didn't see either one of their locations. Yeah, because it's just a printing machine. No, but see, uh, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's true or not true because it, it was literally someone that just posted on Reddit. You, so you never really know. I I'm saying I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. I'm saying there's all there's all the step on that one. As you grow, and there's always going to be gaps in your business that you could have done better. You look back and like, man, we got this bad in last year. I'm not even I'm focused on something else in my business because I'm wearing two different hats right now. I think it's a really, really important thing to talk about when you transition from small business to big business. I've seen it. And really fast. Yeah. Exactly. When you grow this fast, then you miss some points. You know, and not because you're not trying to, but just because, you know, the rate that you're growing just topples you over. You know, just, and not speaking from a experience, but speaking for companies that I've worked for in general. It, 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 it happens before you even know it and things change. You know, so nobody has, nobody has an HR department more than like, Yeah, I guess there's a couple things that happened earlier they were talking about. There's more of that story. They are going to be delivering. There's more of that story. No, of course. The only thing I guess printed is the the bullshit. Like, I mean, the thing that will will get people reading. But. Yeah, let's get printed. Well, I'm going to say that. Damning one person can be to my yeah. business, you know? Yeah. 
I'm one, all it takes is one person to be upset with me and screaming at the top of their lungs for the next hour, and then I, that's that's my you know that's my week, you know, and then it turns into my month, and it's my year because that's the first Yelp review that pops up on the and it's all just. Spot on was running in New York. Like, it, it, it grows so fast. Like, the place I was at, I started there, it was like 13 people that worked there. A year and a half later, there were 70 people that, like, I didn't know all their names. And, like, it, 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 it's hard. <laughs> you know? Hey! You work here, right? You're supposed to be here. You got a regular. You work here a lot. So, I mean, that, that, that's a good question about that, that Yelp thing you brought. Do you guys do you guys pay attention to, to comments and stuff on sites like Yelp, you know, and again, like Beer Advocate, Rate Beer, those stuff that they rate your beers at, and the comments that they leave, do you guys pay attention to that? Do you guys do you guys watch that? Oh, wait, which one? Oh, I, I definitely As, did at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally every one. I was just constantly like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I stopped doing that. Uh, I used to work for everything. I stopped doing that pretty early on because I'm just like, yeah, it's a great way to find beer that's out of code. It's like, oh, this double IPA sucks. Oh, we haven't brewed that in a year. That's my problem. That's my problem. Yeah, it's just like a seasonal yeah. from like 12 months ago. But yeah, so, of course. Um, it's yeah, it definitely sucks. sucks. It's going to visit the account, but you can't pay attention to shit. Um, I also just recently saw that Bud Light is doing this kind of transparency packaging. Um, so they're listing all their beers on the side. Yeah, I know. Oh, but but you didn't you didn't know that AB InBev is bringing sours into America? Oh, is that after after years of never having sour? Did you guys see that? The 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 ad that AB InBev put out with uh, Wicked Weed. They said that they were bringing sours into America after years. I'm sure it's amazing beer. I'm not saying it's not, but I don't fetishize beer because I guess everyone's CIP is just like this guy and this guy. And at the end of the day, we're all just fucking brewers. We're just making the beer we want to make. We're making beer that we, and we know what it's like to me to have to meet a production schedule. Like we don't care about what's going on in the hype game. Like, but yeah. I'm obviously yeah. having really cool stuff. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 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 well, the problem we're having too is you guys would be able to relate to this. So in Miami, our tap water comes out at 80 degrees. Our system, when we were trying to do double brew days in one day, we couldn't get the, the CLT down cool enough to be able to run the second batch. So we had to basically modify and have a heat exchange every certain day. And see, this is what brewers think about. We don't think about like what somebody's radio or beer on and tap on. No, I, I, look, I, I get a good laugh out of that. It's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's always fun. A couple of fries? No. No, you gotta be overconfident yourself. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, it's just beauty subjective. I'm busy working well. Like, I don't have time to like, worry about some guy who didn't like my IPA because it smelled too much like hops. Like, okay. It's a posting. <laughs> <laughs> they all stopped uh, reading untapped when someone read, it was a bad review from a double IPA. He's like, 
But I also feel like it's important to educate your staff a little bit yeah. and, and your guests at the same time. I mean, obviously, you're not going to like ramble on to a guest about mm -hmm. something, but if someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, I want a pale ale, I'm like, okay, cool, so let's talk now. So when you need a pale ale, because sometimes they think pale ale, they literally, I've had people just think they want a light colored ale. Sure. But now you have some of our beers and also by our staff. Yeah. That's that's the tough part. So what are the what are the big uh, yeah, see I'm I'm in a different point with yeah, exactly. since like your restaurants going Well you guys sell a lot of our beers, so thank you for we get only great reviews from our job, I'm sure. <laughs> gotcha. No, but for sure it's like, it is it's hundred percent it's like trying to guide the guests, you know, and yeah. having been on that side of the guys. Well, a lot of like, people do Education is So the perfect example are my friends here. They're not like in the craft beer industry or like yeah. super high in the craft beer like drinking world and they're hearing all these comments going around in this room and they're like wow he just told me right now he's like oh you know i drink whatever comes my way like whether it's cocktails wine beer whatever i don't yeah. discriminate he's like but now it's different like i'm hearing all these stories and like hearing about people who own breweries people who are brewing beer yeah. and like maybe next time i'll think more on whether i get a beer versus yeah. anything else a lot of brewers I talk to is like, bro, fuck beer. I'm, I'm around beer all day. I don't want to. <laughs> give, give me a whiskey, dude. <laughs> yeah, I drink a whiskey. Dude. <laughs> you still be stronger. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's First not how that's States overall, as, as an industry, beer is shrinking. Craft beer is taking a bigger part of that shrinking pie, and now you have more than a brewery a day opening, fighting for the for less cons for less consumption of the same number of draft books. So yeah, what goes where it's at. And uh, one of the things that's scary to me is when you have conversations with you know with uh, local bars who are like, oh yeah, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to drink local beer, I want to drink rare beer. And it's like, and sometimes you get the conversation like I've had, I've literally had conversations where like, oh, I love your beer, but um. You know, I want to get stuff that's rare and it's not available here. I'm like, well, where the fuck else are you going to be available? No. I'm a block I feel here. like I've been really good about balancing that out. No, no, that's in you. Definitely not. No, no, I'm saying like that. That's you must look at that. No, but that's. You specifically. At locale, we're obviously we're local. We're 100% local for the most of the menu. It's in the name. But you guys are like, I'm getting like, I was just telling you, I had Southern Prohibition chat last week and I was super stoked to get those kids. You know, still showing my guests like, hey, this is what we have localized, and we're always going to have this. But you know, this is also something fun and special in there, and you know, we're going to have this in every so long. Yeah. How is it in England? Is it just yeah. growing like crazy? Yeah. yeah. I, to answer your question, earlier, 
um, from a producer uh, perspective, there's been a paradigm shift in supply chain. So it used to be that all of these breweries sourced, you know, a finite amount of, of really popular hop breeds and whatever else they're using. And suddenly in the last few years, what you've seen is, is brewers step away from contracting out four and five years in advance for all of these raw materials and begin to, um, because the losses were really high. You gotta remember, when uh, the hop becomes popular, particularly the hop style, you know, it takes two to three years out before they can really meet the yields that they're looking for to make it profitable from a, a, a farmer's perspective. And so that's too long in the actual evolution of beer styles in today's world. And so there's been this massive shift from, uh, you know, having all of these raw materials planned out and bought, and yeah. now everyone's going for this brand new hop in one year, and then the next year nobody wants it, and it's surplus, you know? It's surplus, it's no longer, it's, it's turned the entire system on its head. So not only do you have more finicky customers, but then that translates down the line to volatility in the actual supply of all the raw materials. It's become, um, it's a really dangerous situation to be honest, because last year in the UK there was 500,000 tons of wasted hops. Wow. That literally were contracted out and then had to go from contract price to spot market price, which in turn makes all of these um, hop brokers really um, scavenge for some kind of a profit or, or a return on their investment. All of these things are playing into, that's the, I think the backside of the conversation. So if you're looking at what the customers are doing and they're screaming about how they want something rare, and I always question what percentage of the market that actually is, because year in and year out, we're selling more of our normal IPA and uh, Pilsner than we are of any of these other things. Now, people are coming back to us because we're weekly producing a new beer, you know, that's, uh, for me as a former home brewer, very exciting to continue to make all these new recipes. You know, we're seeing 150% growth each year, and it's consistently driven by these core products. Now, is that growth in, in, in your tap room, or is that...? It is. It's across the board. So it's, it's, it's back of the house and front of the house sales. And, um, and, you know, I hear a lot of customers come in and they want rare shit, but I'll bring in an entire pallet of a friend's beer from Northern California, and that will sit on our taps three times longer than our beers will because the majority of our customers who come into our tap room, they want our beer. So the local really does still sell. Can I get that? But this idea of that special rare thing is really turning the market on its head. And if you look at what it's doing to raw material supply, you go to a conference with a bunch of farmers, hop farmers, grain farmers, you know, all of these producers of, of, of the different um, raw materials we're using, and it's nothing but complaints about the fact that they don't know how to present what's a plant the next year, what percentage of Amarillo or these really staple old school hops versus Idaho 7 and 386 and all of these experimental things, because that 
you know, having a rare beer from Trillium or Hill Farmstead or something with this specific ingredient for that crop year is just making everything more volatile. We so, a whole discussion on the aftermarket, like hot cells and like secondary markets and like hot workers and all that. That is a very fascinating thing. And it's like, it's obviously a good thing for certain people and a bad thing for a lot of people as well. It's very interesting uh, thing that's happening craft beer. It's like aftermarket hot cells and stuff like that. They're saying so many people have over contracted for so long and in the aftermarket was flooded when everybody was like, man, yeah, I, I don't need. I can't use these hops, basically. So, like you said, the farmers have no idea what's going on. Um, hop producers don't know what's going. I mean, it's it's pretty chaotic. Uh, right so there. here's where his train. No, no, don't. Yeah, there are websites that are like basically like a secondary market to this. Like, like an eBay for hops. Yeah. I'm not trying to look through here. I'm trying to flip out. Yeah, you know. So do you do you see breweries in the future kind of like after the markets leveled out and you know the growth of or the opening of craft breweries like kind of levels out? Do you see breweries in the future growing, be, becoming malsters and becoming hop farmers and growing their own malts and hops for their beers? Man, I don't know. If that's like kind of your niche, like, you know, farm, farm breweries are kind of a thing, and if, that, if that's kind of your, 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 your thing, then yeah. But for the vast majority of people, no, that's yeah, not that's even tough. like a realistic thing. You're worried about like your employees coming in, you're worried about, you know, getting the beer out the door. You don't want to have to worry about a whole other side of the, uh, the, the industry, which is like Growing your ingredients <laughs> sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to grow like citrus in southern Louisiana. I'm sorry, beer's going to be bad. Like, like that's just uh, it's the nature of the thing. It's a bad yeah. product for that. So, yeah. but you always see that specialization. Like you see, you know, like high-end restaurants on working farms, and they source most of their ingredients for their farm. So, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's going to be a niche that's always there. But like, if it's too much for any one person to know. I mean, to be a monster, you gotta be a fucking badass. And to yeah. be a hop brewer, you gotta know your shit. So to be a monster, a hop brewer, a microbiologist, a chemist, an engineer, it's too much for And a brewer. We rely a lot on other professionals as brewers. Um, <laughs> a lot of different hats. But, you know, you have big companies that can do it. Like, Sierra Nevada does it to a very small degree, right? Um, I know Rogue does a lot of that. I'm sure yeah. it's yeah. I mean, we can't go malt here, so it's not going to happen What I have heard that's interesting is people are like, investing in like hop plots. Yeah. So like, they'll invest in a hop farmer, for example, so, like, you know, you buy a few acres or something. But um, it's, it's, it's a lot to, to do one thing. There's so much you can do in the brewing industry that even you can't do as a brewer. Like, as a brewer, I'll never know everything there is. Yeah. It's a yeah. whole different problem. Yeah. But I'm, even as a brewer, I never know everything there is to know about brewing. That's not possible. It's just too much. You can totally use local ingredients just kind of doing pasta pizza like pastry styles. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you should do a pasta pizza over here. Yeah. Like stuffing your food. That's another problem. It's not your own Yeah. Sales guys, marketing. So I have a question for you. You said that you came from New York, yep. but you're going to open up your brewery in New Orleans, yep. right? Why? Um, Why? And then you mentioned later that 
you couldn't sell beer from a tap room or something like that? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, I was, I was that too. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, no, I, um... And then you were... I mean, I'd like to have a more creative answer than New Orleans is home for me, but, like, I've been in New York for about five years, and, uh, you know, like, it, it's dope living there. Like, the level of access in that city is insane. Like, you're... Whenever there's something you want in New York, you're surprised when you can't get it. Like, what? No, we don't have this here? That's impossible. <laughs> right? um, but, How dare you? It's time to go home. You know, like, I've uh, been wanting to do it for a while, and I had an opportunity to do it, and so I was like, hey, you want to start something back home? Fuck yeah. So New York's more saturated than New Orleans, too, right? Not really, because population density really well, for sure. Sure. Yeah. plus tourism, like... That's probably yeah. the growth, I imagine, right? You don't think so? The laws there are not very forgiving oh. in, in, in Louisiana. It's uh, still south, and three tiers is still okay. Um, but I, I think there is room for growth, it's just you really have to find your niche and like your wiggle room. Otherwise, you're, like, a lot of cats there are still selling beer in a very traditional way. You know, they're trying to mm-hmm. grow up, go through distribution, go to the 20 barrel system, to a 60 barrel system, and really just get out there in the multiple states and stuff like that. And, you know, like there's going to be certainly, like, the places are, that are trying to do their own thing, they're going to pop up, there's going to have to be a little bit of a certain retraining to the market. Like, hey, yeah, no, I think you know what a brewery is, but this is like, a little bit different there. There's different kinds of them. So, yeah, you know, you have to kind of retrain the customers. A lot of operating costs in terms of the, like, uh, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something else that you think of in the business. I mean, yeah. I know New York is, is you extrapolate it's, it's very I mean, every place has its own problem. New York, the problem is real estate, right? So, like, you know, you have to, if you've got 8,000 square feet of space, you've got to get every fucking little bit out of the 8,000 square feet. Yeah. You know, because your rent cost is whatever the fuck it is, and it's it's a whole different animal there. Yeah, Louisiana is really lost. Like, they, they live in the city. They can't care about it. Jesus. I have a lot of bosses now, uh, and they all, they're all, like, low-key public officials. Um, but no, man, uh, yeah, no, when it comes to, Every place has its challenges, right? Like, if you open a brewery on 40 acres of raw land, your challenges are, what the fuck do I do with water or what do I do with sewage? Like, you know, I have those issues in New York, but now it's like, okay, how do I sell my beer in a place where I can afford my rent, you know? New Orleans has its own challenges as well, and that right now is mainly that their laws are super duper antiquated, so, you know? Well, what was to the stuff? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, no, you don't like it. Uh, so, I, I have a question for for you. Before, when you, how long ago did you leave Japan for England? Uh, I initially was evacuated from Japan during the uh, tsunami in 2011. Oh, sure, okay. And then I went back and uh, six months later and started tying up some loose ends, and I continued to work there for another year before moving to uh, England from. Where are you from, though, originally? St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, sure. Full disclosure, my, yeah. father, my father was a brewer at Budweiser. 
So, I wanted to say, I've been here for a Did you hear that? His dad and grandfather are so poor. It's a beautiful artist. I was a home brewer in Japan and then I did a brief stint at a company. You're a home brewer in Japan? Yes. That's not easy. That's illegal. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's a major law that says you can't produce your own alcohol at home for anything over one for sax reasons. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, before before you left, was there like a craft beer scene that was like kind of rising, or is that uh, is that of late? In 1996, they changed the laws for uh, the brewing system, the entire brewing industry. Where if you produce less than sixty thousand hectoliters per year, you could finally get a brewing license. And so, beginning in '96, all of these uh, restaurant chains and um, you know independent entrepreneurs got into it and started mimicking what was happening in the states. It was pretty bad for the first few years. Uh, around 1999, this American Brian Baird opened up uh, a brewery and kind of changed the game. It wasn't until about 2007 that, you know, massive influx of U.S. beer plus education on the Japanese side led to some really award-winning beers coming out of Japan. And in 2016, um, Japan had, I think, eight medals at the World Beer Cup, which is a, you know, a record for them, and it shows the the distance which they've traveled over the last few years to begin, you know, having a huge impact on the world of brewing, uh, craft brewing, I should say. They've always had a big niche in the market since, since uh, beer brewing was introduced by the, the Dutch and an American back in the 1880s. Do you guys do Caskills uh, uh Muslim? We do. We just, uh, actually, the day we get back, the three of us, we're brewing a, um, a light bitter ale from uh, 1890s uh, era uh, London brewing with this uh, beer historian named Ron Pattinson. Sick. Yeah. So uh, that'll be the first cast beer we've brewed in three years. We don't do them very often. Um, but yeah, it's fun to go back and do them again. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a mission to deal with, right? Yeah. Yeah, cast beer in general has shrunk massively in the UK. And there are some companies that solely make their money on cast beer, and then other companies that started doing, you know, 50-50 or so, and then went completely keg beer. And now we're going back and beginning to, to fuck with cast a little again. I find that fascinating, by the way, because I feel like the UK is such a rich brewing industry. That's where the modern beer industry evolved. And from the outside looking in, I might be wrong, it almost feels sometimes like you guys have thrown your own kind of beer experience inside and like, what this shit we're done? I want to drink lager and take Yeah. It's kind of the impression I've yeah. I've always found that kind of fascinating. Yeah. Well, there still is camera. Campaign for real ale. But, uh, it's, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've come out with some, you know, strange, strangely worded advertisements recently. You know, where they, they had this big poll and they, um, they had all of their members vote on whether or not they should begin to discuss keg beer within their meetings. And uh, it looked like they were going to make this change and uh, sort of share the space within their club with, you know, formally uh, carbonated beer. But uh, it failed. And so they've sort of reverted back 
And because of that, they lost another big section of their population that wanted to move things forward. Um, but they're struggling on, and they're, begin they're continuing to do the thing that they're known for, which is protect traditional English ale, protect the way that it's made and then served. Yeah, I think there's value in that. There is. It's just that's there like, is. I'm fascinated. I, I, Ron, I've, I've had quite a few email exchanges with Ron, actually, since supposed to come to Miami at some point, so right. let him know that I'm still waiting. But. Yeah, but, <laughs> 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 he sat down in our tap room and gave the recipe a couple of months ago, yeah. and he's coming back to brew But it's, I, You know, it's funny, because I, I feel like I could read the cask out here, and it's a very tiny select group of people who even know what it is. Rush is a nice talking point, but I mean, I could do a historical beer that you and I would nerd out about, and that nobody else would know shit about. But we brewed it in water, right? And that's what we're brewing this beer for, is yeah. because um, we really want to taste what it would... Because these heritage strains of uh, malts and, and, and hops are still around, and, um, and making a bit of a resurgence. And so we're using those in addition to a, a relatively defunct yeast strain, and with Ron's knowledge, trying to recreate something that we really don't know what tasted like. You have a bit of an idea, but, you know, we're getting there, and we'll see if it's, you know, if it was a good product at all. Good. Maybe it tastes like shit. Seriously. Yeah, no. Yeah. But it's fun to recreate it, and it's why we got into brewing it again, but the whole, you know, we can do whatever the fuck we want, like we were talking about inside. Right. Well, if you're selling beer, make money, you can do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're growing under 50% a year like you guys are, then I think you're going to pour into having a fun event, right? Yeah. But. And what, what do you think about that recent acquisition of Asahi of Fuller's? Or the, we're good friends with Fuller's, so it was a bit of a shock. Um, they, were, they, were, they were like independent up until that point, right? Yeah. The they, they family-owned brewery in the UK. Um, he's he's going to get teary-eyed. My lead brewer used to work at Fuller's. We have an ongoing relationship. We trade hops with Fuller's, you know. We um, we attend events with them. Um, we did a, a, a tasting in our tap room. Last summer they did this um, really uh, momentous uh, event in London where they invited a bunch of London breweries to come on to that uh, historical brewing ground, which is in uh, Chiswick, uh, West London and had this festival, it was fantastic, it's, yeah, how do you and, and was it like a shock, or, or it was a shock, like, commercially I see it makes sense, but personally, I'm a bit against it, it's devastating, yeah, it, it is devastating, you know, it's the oldest independent family one brewery in the UK, but their own beer sales have been shrinking, this the is part of the business, which, but when I was there doing a collaboration, 90% of the brewing they were doing on the schedule, I got a peek at their brewing schedule, was contract brewing for smaller craft breweries. Yeah. Wow. So they weren't brewing their own beers anymore. WikiLeaks, I don't Is that not a symptom of, of the current beer industry? Everybody's always looking for the newest and best thing because it's. Yeah. And they're like forgetting about. The London Pride sales tanks. Their new lager sales were mediocre. It's it's just a tough game. It's a great beer. It's a great brewery. And they have a, a wonderful tradition. It's just 
they were making so much more money, and we were talking about this outside the yeah. idea of the time house in the UK, they were making so much more money on real estate and sure. owning clubs that it just, as, as a purely business perspective, they don't need the brewery. That's what you That's what you're talking about. Brewers pub game is, is massive. Yeah. Yeah. They are spending so much money on making incredibly good bars that sell good beers as well as their traditional beers. And they look at other huge operators in, in the UK like Young's who sold off their brewing business and now their pub game business is making millions and thought so much hassle. Why don't you sell that 250 million and invest it into the part of the business that makes money so far? Commercially, it makes sense, but you know, as I said before, subjectively, it's just sad. Yeah. It's sad, you know. I, I grew up drinking London Pride, you know. It's 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 maybe not you maybe classify as the most interesting style of beer, but it's a hell of a good beer, and you know, people have been drinking that, and that kind of goes back to what you talked when you're talking about local beer versus hype beer. London Pride sure as hell ain't a hype beer. <laughs> it's a local beer, and you get people like my old man who will drink it day in, day out, you know, and there's a whole generation of people who will drink it, and people will, you know, from London out, you know, have pride in it. Yeah. But now it's owned by another company, but, you know, they'll, they'll probably take that. Their side's been gathering traditional English brands. They've got Meantime, which is kind of great lagers, play on traditional English branding. And now we've got Fuller's. Now we've got Fuller's own Dark Star, which is arguably one of the best class producers in the UK. So they've got a, a good portfolio of British beer that they're probably trying to push out to you guys over here. Or yeah. somewhere in the Middle East or the Far East or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's sad to see a, another like, huge player. Every single person who seems to be very successful in the UK <coughs> ends up going in that direction. Like from Camden to Meantime to Beaver Town. And, uh, you know, fair play to, 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 to everyone in those companies. You know, the beers arguably have got better since they've been brought out. But it was a sad route to see. But as soon as someone becomes massively successful, someone writes a check big enough for them to, to, to give it away. But that's not me slamming them, you know. You know it's not it's, the only way out of this. Yeah, oh, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, you get into that age and someone might be about a cash and say, you don't really need to work that hard anymore. Yeah. It'd be hard to say no. See, but that's a, that, that's a, that's a thing that I, that's a talk that I have with a lot of people. It's, you know, I, I kind of liken it to being a garage band. You know, like, you play music because you love it. You start out doing it, and then, you know, you write it, uh, someone writes you a check, you, you sign to a label, you get famous, then people say you sell out. Because, you know, someone's like... successful. Because you got successful, right? You're not, so, you're not rare and, and exclusive anymore. You're not rare and exclusive anymore. You're not making that rare yeah. local stuff that, <laughs> that nobody will go to your top <laughs> to get. <laughs> but, like, on, on the... It's just going to suck the more we make it. The more we make it, the worse it gets. Don't you know how that works? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, is that what you see? Do you see, like... Well, it's an industry-wide trend that regional breweries, and, and at least for, for us, it sounds like it's, it sounds like it's a little bit the same way for you guys. To be honest, and I don't want to be like super, it actually makes me more sad with you guys because you guys have such a rich brewing history. Like, we didn't really have that. You know, we didn't have these small local breweries that were like from the town. We had, you know, one or two massive corporations. Well, it's not like beer was created here. It's like we're just hopping on the next thing that's hip. Yeah. You have history in London. Like, you know, so yeah, that breaks my heart too. Like, we didn't really have anything to throw away. No. <laughs> you know, we didn't have any like local. 
So it, it's kind of sad sometimes. And, it, and it's not just in, in the UK. I saw the same thing when I was in, I think, in Germany a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's like you see these. And part of it's great. Like, what I do love about Germany, you go to a place, you go to Dusseldorf, like you love up here, and everybody's really fucking up here. You know? It's like, I, I would love that for, for you know, I, that's what the way I imagine the UK. Like, everybody's, you know, in London, everybody's drinking quarters, right? And, and yeah, it sounds like it's so a struggle it over there, too. True. Yeah. Well, <laughs> There is a, I mean, I love a good cast beer, you know, um, but that sector of the market is shrinking because people who were originally, like Cameron did such a good job of promoting beer in the UK, that people were like, oh, I, I love beer. And then they moved away from cast onto, you know, somewhat American style ales and IPAs and drowns, and now, now that is a huge sector. And now, if anything, Cameron did too good of a job of promoting beer here in the UK. People have jumped on the cast beer and now moved, moved, moved away. It's now growing. It's now a sort of shrinking sector of it. But you know, I mean, I've probably one of those, one of the, I've probably fit that model perfectly. You know, I love drinking cast beer. Yeah. I'm really into uh, to, to yeah. beer, and now you know, the majority of what I drink here is, is probably like based on American style ales and, and IPAs. Few more years than we drink a cask Yeah, we'll go around again. Yeah. <laughs> so last brew we randomly sent a load of cask up to Canada. I couldn't believe it. They were wow. a big, big cask uh, festival in Toronto, in Canada. Cool. And it was like, and cask festivals in the UK is synonymous with 40, 50 plus guys with beards and socks and sandals. <laughs> but this cask festival we sent there over to in Canada was like as hipster and cool as you could possibly imagine. And it's just, yeah, trend. We went to a place in Washington, D.C. It's called Blue Jacket, and they had cascades, and it's a hipster place. They have brunch and everything. Yeah, they focus a lot on like pre-prohibition yeah. uh, American styles, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I, I'm glad that there's people in the U.S. doing that. And, you know, in the UK. Yeah, that, that was the first time that I've ever had a casco when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't do tag. You do cascos? Yes. Mel's like, I'm not a friend anymore. <laughs> Every week I have a cast on tomorrow, so I might try it. Alright. We'll be there more. We'll go. Most people don't know what cast goes anyway, so. No, we do. Yeah, good. Uh, why don't we let the Brits Yeah, why don't we let the Brits <laughs> 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 there a thing. He just followed it back to you. Costco is um, somewhat uncarbonated, but you look probably warm beer as well, like you can't serve cask ale at cellar temperatures, so that's 9 to 11 degrees, so I don't know what that is. It's like 50 to 55 degrees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you, you basically have like a vacuum pull through it, so you go, you, you go through a beer agent rather than trying to push it through with CO2. It comes out with very low grams per litre CO2. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's really, I mean, it's really only popular in the UK. Um, yeah, not even over in Ireland. They don't really drink it. It's yeah. a huge amount of cost beer. It's a real kind of um, niche kind of market right there. Uh, and that's about it. But apparently, it's becoming popular. Well, the cask is a predecessor to the keg. So you know, before they were forced carving beer instead of steel kegs, they were naturally conditioning them in wooden barrels originally, and then became metal casks. And you know, it's a, it's. I always try to explain to people that it's the best way to enjoy the beer as fresh as possible. You know, because you're you're taking it right from the fermenter. You're you're doing an active fermentation in the cask. You're and, and 
what I like about Cask is, and you know, one of the tough things here in the U.S., a lot of people resort to kind of adulterating the cask to sell it. Like, oh, well, we can't sell our English bitter and wild on cask, so let's throw a key lime pie in it, and then we're going to go in, right? But I, I refuse to do that. Um, you know, for us, it's all about, because I feel like cask is the best way for you to showcase your attention and keep someone how you serve here. Because if you don't have your shit together, your cask is going to sell. Cinnamon shit is exposed when it comes to fast beer. Like it's not as simple as you know putting in a keg and hooking up. You need to tap it for a couple of days before. You need to vent it. You got to make sure. So there's, there's there's a lot of planning that goes into fast beer. It's a profession, and it is good for forty eight hours. You know, some people can stretch yeah, it for a bit more. But you got to you got to shim it right so the yeast doesn't. <laughs> Established guidelines and, and procedures by which everyone adheres to in England. So he's talking about cellarman shifts. So not only do you have this gentleman in the cellar who's rotating these in a timely manner, but your cask should not be serving more than um, 72 hours. It should be kicked by that point. Um, max 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, not max. Because you're using this beer engine and it's allowing oxygen in place of where there was beer inside this cask, right? And there's a breather on the top. So essentially, you know, it's it's, it's oxidizing the beer along the way and the beer is changing from that first handful to the last one. So it's starting out very fresh and vibrant and slowly it's, it's you know, taking on characters of lipooxygenasis and becoming a little bit more cardboard and, and stale. Uh, but if you get through it quickly, it's still palatable. After that, you get to a, a point where it's cheesy. And you come to England, go up north, and drink a pint of Timothy Taylor Timothy now. Landlord, yeah. By far the best, for, for me personally, by far the best cast beer you can get. And you, go, you go up to Yorkshire where it's made and get a fresh cask of Timothy <coughs> Taylor's. It's been put on that day, it's been conditioned right. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And there's, there's two things that classify cask, right? That it's that there's no outside uh, forced carbonate CO2. There's just the carbonate. Camera, yeah. yeah Jack right? is very anti-cask breeder, from what I understand, right? Well, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're anti uh, adding CO2 yeah. feed. Yeah, we call that a gas area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we don't, we don't use one. To be honest, I feel like oxidation is a, for me, what I've tasted, is a, is a key component of the cask, but obviously you don't want to let it go too far. <laughs> I, I find that our cask tastes best at 36 to, like, even, like, on day two. Um, I actually find they, they open up and they change dramatically. Um, day three, it just starts going down, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's just like a wine. If you guys ever open a bottle of wine, and yeah. you open it. Day two, it's usually pretty good if you store it right. You know, day, day three, three is done. Vinegar. It's not good anymore. So, yeah, it takes a lot of attention to detail, and there's a lot of rich history there. So, um, it'd be cool to turn more people onto it, but it's, it's kind of tough. Yeah. I think one of the challenges. Especially in a tropical location. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we kill the cats every day. They're, they're five gallon, you know. But okay. you know, we kill them every week. Um, we push it hard, and there's an art to, to tapping a cross. Yeah. I know that because you use. Have you done it before? You yeah, know, done it. we do it every. I do it on Octoberfest too. Yeah. I fucked it up the first year. I was like, oh, I was like, completely unprepared. I'm like, this is what you do, and I was like, I went. Yeah. Sure. Actually, I have one of my favorite times of year is um, we, 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 we don't use German style Casper, but every Oktoberfest we I pull out Perkins. Um, full disclosure, we moved away from, we do the same cask conditioning process, but we're doing it in kegs now. I think we were talking about this earlier. 
Long story short, it's the same thing, just a different shape. And we don't have to tackle the, the map. Um, but uh, I, every year I do the, the mayor's come in for Oktoberfest, and the tradition in Germany is the, the mayor taps the first cask of Oktoberfest locker. So I get to teach these like old Cuban guys how to tap, how to tap Casio. And I'm like, you know, you and me are like the only people in the city that know how to do this now. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I scare them. Yeah. I tell them that if they, they fuck up, it's going to explode on them and they just lie. And, Usually it's like really very, very conditions, and, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to tap. Yeah, so I think it's it's a, it's it's a really cool ritual to get it up on the on the yeah. Um, you know, I, I like the cast better off the hand pump, but to get it up on the counter and I think it attracts so much attention um, to what it is. Um, I think our next anniversary I'm going to tap an actual like wooden barrel, like a bourbon barrel of imperial style. I'm going to go for that. Okay, so I have a request. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, even though you didn't come to our engagement party, I'm not being salty. Um, yeah, you were. We sent oh, you an fuck invite. You. I sent you an invite. You know, first I sent you an invite. And I'm you like, you better send one invite because if you don't, he's going to be really mad. <laughs> we sent you an invite, trust me. No. But I'm so glad that I didn't go. I didn't know it was your engagement party. You guys yeah, it was, it was the holiday. Yeah. It, it was your girlfriend's, party. you had a girlfriend's family party or, or dinner or some shit, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's beside the point. Our wedding is March 9th, and what yeah. we're doing is recreating Spring Fest because when he asked me to marry him, we went to Germany first and then we went to Budapest. But before Budapest, he took me to Spring Fest because I love beer. Mm -hmm. And that was the best beer fest that I've ever been to. So, you guys want to so huh? yes, if you Which can do it. it. It was, uh, we were in Stuttgart. That's what I want. Yeah. My wedding present from you. There you, go. <laughs> you guys get a cast. At least somebody appreciate it. it will, like, our wedding is going to be She wants to top it. Uh, well, no, no. <laughs> I just want a cast. Beer. But the wedding is going to be at Lincoln's Beer Brewing at the top. You're going to do a cast? You want a cast for me, but serve it in this beer? Yeah. No, you, have to, you can't take the. You have to do it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so we should do it the day that we sign no, the papers. I can move it. I can move it. Yeah? Really? Yeah, Falcon's been wanting to have cast anyways. Oh, well, it's just going to be for our party. So, uh, obviously you're invited. And so we're your girlfriend. Oh, okay. Not invited. Like, you're always invited. Like, trust we me. We invite you. You just, you yeah. don't need to go. Yeah. So go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did a, I did a, we did so a spring awesome. fest together in Stuttgart, and then I did Oktoberfest in uh, Munchen and Stuttgart. It was wow. <laughs>